another year has passed, and we find ourselves once again being misabel on the Yerushalayim. The Gemara Bab Metziah on Lamed Amabes famously says, Kosov Yochanan says, Locharva Yerushalayim, that the reason why Yerushalayim was destroyed, according to the Maskan of the Gemara, is Elashem Mididineim al Din Torah, Velo Avdulifni Mishura Sadin. It's only because Kla Yisrael at that time, so they were insistent on adjudicating, on deciding matters related to Chosher Mishpah, related to monetary disputes between one another, according to Din Torah, and they were unwilling to go ahead and go go beyond the letter of the law in order to accommodate for uh, for another. And Tosos there right away asks, he says, what are you talking about? Why is the Gemara now giving a new explanation as to why the Beis Amitash was destroyed? Because we know the Gemara in Yuma and Tesla says that the reason why the Beis Amitash was destroyed was because of Sinas Chinam. So if we have a very clear reason in the Gemara in Yuma why the Beis Amitash was destroyed, Beis Amitash in Shalim was destroyed. So why is it necessary to come along and give a second explanation? And Tosso says, Yeshlomer Dahavahagarma. And maybe it's that both of these factors, both Sinas Chinam, as well as the refusal to go both of those were contributing factors which led to the destruction of the Beis Amikdash and the destruction of Yushalayim. Now, number one is that seemingly Sinas Chinam is a much more severe Avera than not going Lifni Mishra Sadin. Not going Lifni Mishra Sadin means I have my rights. Uh, I don't want to accommodate for you. I don't want to compromise with you. I don't want to forego any of my rights in your favor. I'm going to be insistent on exercising my rights. So it's not necessarily the best behavior that a person should follow, but to go ahead and say that that's a reason for, that's a factor as to why the base of Mikdash was destroyed. So that's pretty severe. We often struggle figuring out why Sinas Chinam is a reason for the Beis Amikdash to be destroyed. But Sinas Chinam Pachos is something which is pretty severe where people hate one another. But people who insist on going, who refuse to go, they insist on following Din Torah and don't want to compromise. Okay, it's not so nice, but it's not so, it's not so bad. That's question uh, uh, number one. And number two is, Bechlal, how do we understand this idea that uh, if a person has a right to insist that uh, the money which is owed to him should be paid to him, so why is it so bad to go ahead and not be willing to compromise on that? Let the other person pay me what he owes me. Why do I have to compromise? Why do I have to go in order to accommodate for him? Let him go according to Din, which is that he owes me the money. So the, the notion that this is grounds for Yushalayim to be destroyed is something which is a little bit uh, curious. And in order to understand the nature of the day of Tisha B'Av, what being, we are being uh, misabal over, what we, are, uh, what we lost out when the Beis Amitash was destroyed and Yushalayim was destroyed. So that's what we're going to try and understand. And I think a good starting point, a good springboard to understand this is to explore why it is that Chazal decided when they were sat down to figure out how we are going to commemorate Churban Beis Amitash, the fact that the Beis Amitash was destroyed and that Klai Yisrael was sent into Galus, how are we going to go ahead and commemorate that? How are we going to mark this uh, this tragic event in our, uh, our nation's history? What's going to be the practice which we're going to adopt, which is going to express all of those emotions? And what Chazal decided to use as their model was Avelus. 
in choosing Avelis is a very curious thing, because Avelis is generally understood when a person dies, when a person is nifter, so there's an Avelis process, there's a mourning process, there's a grieving process, whereby we come to grips with the new reality of our loved one no longer being here together with us, in figuring out how to navigate what's essentially a new world without that loved one in, in our presence. So I can understand why it is that we would go ahead and there's a concept of Avelos for something which is so tragic like the uh, the loss of a, of a loved one. What does that have to do with Chorba Besamitash? Chorba Besamitash is the fact that we had a connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu and, that, and we had a place where we could go and we could meet with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we could offer korbanos, we could secure forgiveness, we could do avoda in its ideal uh, manner. And now that place is no longer with us. So it's a tragic event what does that have to do with uh, what does that have to do with Avelis? We're not mourning necessarily the fact that people went ahead and died. That's not uh, that's not the focus. And it's even more curious when we think about the fact that in the Tfilah of Nachem, which we say uh, in the afternoon, we we Ashkenazim say in the afternoon of Tishabov. So we use the phrase Avelit Tzion v'Avelit Yushalayim. So those who mourn Sion in mourn Yerushalayim, so not being misabel over the people who died when the Beis Amikdash was destroyed, and all those graphic descriptions which uh, Chazal tells us in Gemara and Gitin, in the Kinos elaborate on and depict for us the tremendous loss of life which Klai Yisrael experienced experience at that time. But we're not necessarily being misabel over the loss of life. It's specifically something, something related to Sion and Yerushalayim. So what exactly does it mean to be misabel, to mourn over a city which was destroyed and a Beis Amitish was destroyed? It's tragic, but why exactly did Chazal use the model of Avelus to go ahead and capture that? So I think part of that is to understand what exactly is happening when a person is nifter. And the significance of that in the, on the spiritual level, what exactly is the importance of that in what that tries to convey? And we know that Gersh Baruch Hu created the world in this tremendous, tremendous uh, way, where one of the things which is mafli lasos, one of the things which is stunning and absolutely amazing, is that Gersh Baruch Hu's ability to link together both ruchni and gashmi, something which is spiritual together with something which is physical. So when we say in the bracha v'ashriyatzar, shriyatzar ha'sadam v'chachma v'ravon nekavim nekavim, and then we conclude, umafli lasos, so many of the Mephoshim explain that the mafli lasos is the fact that together with this physical body which we have, this behemoth dekabadi which we have, that there's a spiritual soul, there's a ruchnius element which is fused together with the body, a neshama which is taken from the highest levels of, of spirituality, of ruchnius, right beneath HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself, and he was able to combine that neshama into a body. And we know from many statements of Chazal that it's the existence of the neshama in the body which animates the body. That's what gives life to the body, that's what gives chiyus to, uh, to the body, is the fact that the neshama is, is there. And that's why it's clear from, uh, from Chazal that there has to be a neshama inside of the, a developing fetus, while it's still inside of his mother's womb, because without the neshama there, there's no way the physical part of that body would be able to exist, would be able to grow, would be able to survive. So one of the most astonishing things which exists in creation is not just the physical creation, which is certainly an astonishing thing, a wondrous thing, 
But on a Ruchni level, what's most stunning about all of it is the combination of Guf and Neshama, the combination of Ruchni and Gashmi, spiritual together with physical. In death, we know is marked by, we can try and measure it medically and try and pinpoint exactly the moment of death. And that's for the post scheme to go ahead and decide on a uh, on a, a, a Gashmias level, at what point Halacha is going to say that a person dies, but on a Ruchnias Dikka level, so we know what the answer is. We may not be able to identify when exactly it occurs, but we know exactly what it is. In death is the moment that the Neshama separates from the body. So during lifetime, we have Ruchni and Gashmi fused together into one. They're intermingled into one. They become one. In death is marked by the separation of the neshama from the goof. And the neshama goes back to the various different parts of the neshama go to different places. But the neshama, we'll just say very simply, goes back up to Shamaim. And the goof now becomes this inanimate piece of, of just uh, goofy, goofy something which is just gashmi, something which is just physical, it doesn't really have any chiyus to it, doesn't have any life to it anymore, because the neshama has left it. And that's what we go ahead and we mark in terms of the avelus, because we believe that the neshama lives on. The neshama goes up to Shemayim, the neshama goes through its process, what happens when it gets separated from the, the body. The neshama experiences pain. Many of the halachas and many of the practices that we have in a shiva house are specifically revolve around this idea that the neshama is present. And we're trying to be, be Menachem, we're trying to offer comfort, not only to the survivors, not only to the Avelim, but to the Neshama itself, which is pained by the fact that it's been separated from its body. It's supposed to be together with the body. And we know that by Tchiyas HaMesim, body and soul, Neshama and Guf, are going to be reunited one, one, once again for eternity. So that's the ultimate existence, the ideal existence, is for the Ruchni and the Gashmi to be together. And therefore, it's a tragic thing when there's we have to experience for a period of time the separation of the guf from the neshama. And that is ultimately what death is. And that's the tragedy of death is that the, the ruchni and the gashmi have been separated from one, from one another, that we no longer have access to our ideal existence. And this is, this idea is not only limited to a person's body, but when you think about it, so we know that Chazal tell us in many places, Gemara and Tainus, for example, that the Beis HaMikdash in Yerushalayim, that we have a Pasuk and Tilim, Yerushalayim Shechubra Lo Yachtov. And Chazal say over there, Shechubra Lo Yachtov means that there is a physical Beis HaMikdash which exists here on Aretz. There's a sanctuary, there's a place where, where, where we are able to go and connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And corresponding to that in Shemayim, there's also a Beis HaMikdash. There's a Beis HaMikdash Shamala as well. In Yerushalayim represents the place where we combine together those two things. And the combination of the Besamita Shamat and the Besamita Shamala is also a significant thing because it creates a conduit through which more Ruchnius is going to be able to enter into our physical world. And as we said, the purpose of the world is that fusion of Ruchni and Gashmi together. And we need to make sure the ideal existence is when those two things are, are able to combine together. And the destruction of the Beis Amitosh is a circumstance wherein we find out 
that the uh, that that connection, which is the ideal connection between Hakadosh Baruch Hu and Klal Yisrael, the Beis Hamikdash above and the Beis Hamikdash below, when that connection is severed, so again you could have left behind a physical structure of a Beis Hamikdash. So you have the physical trappings of a Beis Hamikdash, but once the ruchnius of the Beis Hamikdash is taken away, when Hakadosh Baruch Hu says there's no longer room for me here in this physical world based on what's currently happening, I need to go back up to Shemayim. So this is again a separation of Ruchni, the neshama of the world, from the goof, from the physical trappings of the world, which was the Beis Hamikdash itself. And when we see before our eyes the fact that the Beis Hamikdash lost its Ruchni's quality, its Ruchni's characteristic, and that's all gone back up to Shemaim, and now you have just a physical Beis Hamikdash down here, which once it loses its Ruchni's, it it, it the uh, the uh, it could be destroyed, it could be burned down to the ground because it's lost its chiyas, and the source for that chiyas, the ruchnis, has gone ban- back up to Shemaim. So that is a grounds for Avelis. That's a ground, the same reason why we're misable when a person passes away, because the ruchni has separated from the guf, because the spirituality has left from the uh, from the physical. So Churban Beis represents a similar process where the ruchnis didn't go away, it just went to a different place. It went into a different dimension. It went back up to Shemaim. And we mourn when things do not exist in the ideal manner of Neshama and Guf together, Ruchni is together with Gashmi is together. But when the two parts have to be separated from one another, from one another that is the tragedy and that is the loss of what we have. In that same phrase that Ir Shechubra Layachtov, which is used, which is depicted by Chazal in some context to talk about the Besamita Shamala being connected with the Besamita Shamata. So we find a similar thing that Yushalayim is also a place which is meant to bring together Hakarish Baruchu, the ultimate Ruchni, and Klal Yisrael, which are his, his children, as it were, but we are physical in, by our very nature. In the place where we have the opportunity, the best opportunity to be able to connect with Ruchni, when Klai Yisrael is able to connect to Akarish Baruchu, is in the Beis Hamikdash itself. That's where the Shechina is Shorah. That's where Akarish Baruchu says, "I'm going to take my divine presence and I'm going to allow it. To, I'm going to find a place for it to be able to dwell here on Earth, there on Earth, together with us, Klai Yisrael. So we have an we have an opportunity to connect with Akarish Baruchu at that time." In Churban Beis Amitash represents not only the loss of the connection between the Beis Amitash Shamata and the Beis Amitash Shamala, but also represents the loss of us, our us, Klai Yisrael, physical beings, being, being able to connect with the ultimate Ruchni, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that also is part of the tragedy which, which is there. And that's why the, uh, in the, the Tefillah of Nachem, it says, Havela, right after it says that we're we, the, the mourners of Tzion Yushalayim, it says, Havela mi blibaneha, because Yushalayim is something which is there in order to be able to bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu's children into his domain, into his place, so that we could connect with him, so that we as physical beings could connect with him, a spiritual being, and we could have that connection, that Maflila Sosa, bringing us together with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And once the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed, and once Harva Yushalayim, Yushalayim was destroyed, so that ability to connect the Ruchni and the Gashmi was lost, 
and that becomes an Avelus. And you have a city of Yerushalayim, which could be there, but if it's desolate of the Jewish people, even if the physical location is there, Kedusha Rishon, Akitsha Lasi Lavo, that the Kedusha remains in place even without a Beis Amitash, and even without Klai Yisrael being there, but seeing the physical trappings of Yerushalayim without her children being there, without Klai Yisrael being there, and not being able to be used for its designed purpose to create the connection between those of us who are here on earth, those of us who are physical beings, together with the ultimate Ruchni, which is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that is the greatest tragedy which we could experience. And that's why uh, well, the Klai Yisrael Chazal uh, uh, chose the mode of Avelus in order to capture the essence of what Churba Beis Amitosh and Churba Yushalayim is about, because all of that Avelus is the separation of the Neshama from the Guf, and Churba Beis Amitosh represents the separation of the base of the Beis Amitosh Shalmala from the Beis Amitosh Shalmata, also a separation of Ruchni from Gashmi, and that also is a tragedy of Yushalayim. Yushalayim is a place where where HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klai Yisrael are supposed to be able to meet, where the Shechina is Shorah, the Shechina is supposed to reside, and now that that doesn't happen anymore, that doesn't exist anymore, that opportunity has been lost, so it's an Avelus for that separation of, of Ruchni from Gashmi. But I think it's a, a little bit even deeper than that. And I think the deeper part of that is, is that we know that there are certain mitzvahs for which Mepharshim tell us that there are mitzvahs which are not given to individuals. They can't really be fulfilled fully by an individual. These are Klaliyas dick of type of mitzvahs. We need the, the, the totality of Klal Yisrael in order to be able to tap into that mitzvah. Shabbos is one of those things. Matan Torah was one of those things. Mepharshim say that Kosh Baruch Hu didn't do a Matan Torah for Avram Avinu. He didn't do it for Yitzchak Avinu. He didn't do it for Yaakov Avinu. He didn't even do it for Yaakov Avinu and the Shiv Teka together because Matan Torah, the Torah, is something which is supposed to be experienced by Klal Yisrael. You need a nation of Klal Yisrael in order to be able to connect to Kosh Baruch Hu and to be able to receive his Torah. And as great as the Avos were, as great as the Shiv Teka were, as great as they, as they were, they weren't Am Yisrael, they weren't Kla Yisrael, to be Zohar to the Torah, and we have many things which are like that. So the Hashras Hashchina, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu's connection to Kla Yisrael by allowing and in, in sending his divine presence down by entering into this physical world is also one of those things which necessitates Kla Yisrael as a whole. The same way by Matan Torah, we know that Chazal teaches that the reason why it was, uh, it was able to be given is because not only was there a Klai Yisrael, but it was Ki'ish Echad B'Lev Echad. There was a unity of purpose, a unity of mind, a unity of connection with one another. And therefore, when everybody combines together all of their kochos and all of their potential, when that combines together, so then we come, become worthy of the Torah because there's no one person who could fulfill all Taryag mitzvahs, because some mitzvahs are for a king, and some mitzvahs are for a kohen, and some mitzvahs are for women, and there's all sorts of different mitzvahs, and it's impossible for any one person to be able to fulfill them all. But we combine together, when we see ourselves as a unified Klal Yisrael, as one, as, as a unit of Klal Yisrael, so then we become Zohar to the Torah, because the totality of Klal Yisrael could go ahead and fulfill the totality of, of Torah. And that's why the Shechina is something which is so essential that even, though, even on a minor scale, the Gemara and Sota tells us that ish v'isha, that when there's a man and woman, zahu, if they merit, so Shechina b'neim, the Shechina is able to reside in their home. But if you separate them out, 
So if you have the ish over here and the ish over there, and they're not combined together, the Shekhinah cannot reside in that house. It requires the joint effort of the two of them together to bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu into, into their home. And in the same way for Klal Yisrael, in order to be worthy recipients of a Beis HaMikdash, of a Yerushalayim, a functioning Yerushalayim, on a Ruchnius Dikkel level, where HaKadosh Baruch is going to look down from Shemaim and say, that's a place where I feel comfortable, that's a place where I, uh, where I look forward to being able to connect together with, the, the, uh, with Kla Yisrael, only when that happens does the Shechina, does it feel comfortable, and is it willing to enter into our world. But when Klai Yisrael don't want to go ahead and do that, when they refuse to do that, so then HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, if there's no shalom b'neim, if there's no peace between them, so then there's no place for me here, and I need to go back up to my ruchniyastika place, and we'll leave behind the empty shell of the, uh, of the, of the guf, of a besamitash without any spirituality which could be destroyed. You could have Yushalayim without her children there, without her children. And that's the greatest tragedy and the greatest loss which we could experience akin to the loss of a, of a person where uh, it's, a, it's just an empty shell of what was without it being used in its ideal manner. In this idea of the unity of Klai Yisrael, and there are other uh, uh, places in Chazal, there's Yushalmi, where they use the same phrase that Yushalayim is Ir Shechubra La Yachdav. It's a place where Klai Yisrael is designed to be Chaveirim Zelazeh, that they're supposed to be friends with one another, like we say in Kiddush HaChodesh, uh, uh, every month on Shabbos Mavorchim, we say that Chaveirim Kol Yisrael, that Yushalayim is a place where we're supposed to make everybody Chaveirim, everybody is supposed to connect with one another. And this idea is expressed very beautifully, I think, by Revolba. When he talks about where it says, Ki Chayenu, where he say that the Torah is our life, and we need to think about Kla Yisrael in terms of being a living organism. That's the muscle that uh, that he uses, and when we think of uh, of uh, Klai Yisrael as a living organism, so we know as an organism, as a body, many times is used as the muscle. So, body, although it's comprised of all sorts of different parts, different ramach evarim v'shastagidim, so there's 630 different parts which which combined make a body. So, one could look at the person in terms of their parts, or one could look at them in terms of the combination of all of that, which ends up making a singular goof. And really what we need to do, what we need to focus on is to realize that HaKash Baruch Hu does not want us to be 613 separate Avarim and Gidim, different parts of the, the body. HaKash Baruch Hu wants us to see ourselves as part of a unified Chaim, a unified life, which is all of the different parts together. The heart isn't life, and the brain isn't life, and fingers aren't life, and feet aren't life. It's only when you have all of those different things together do we say a person is alive, is a person animate, is a person capable of achieving their uh, their potential. And the phrase he uses is, hachayim enam mischalkim le'evarim. That when we're talking about a person's life, we don't divide that into limbs. We look at life as the unified existence of the thing all by itself. And that's really what the tragedy of Chorban Beis Hamikdash, that's what Chazal are coming to teach us over here, because it's one thing to go ahead and say that there's Sinas Chinam. When we hear that there's Sinas Chinam, the Gemara and Yuma, which says that Sinas Chinam was the cause of the, of the destruction of Beis Hamikdash, that's certainly true, because Sinas Chinam, when Klai Yisrael could, 
descend to such a point where they despise one another, they hate one another, so that we understand that there's a loss of unity. Akash Baruch Hu may say, I don't want to be interested. But it could be even more subtle than that. And I think that's what the Gemara in Bab Metziah is trying to teach us, that it doesn't necessarily have to be a sinas chinam, an outright hatred for one another. Outright hatred is, it's clear that there's a disconnect between people. People see Ka Yisrael as a varim rather than chayim. They see them as limbs rather than as a, as a unified body. But it's even more subtle than that when we realize that the when people say, I don't want to go ahead and compromise. I'm going to go according to din, and I don't want to go lifnim mishuras din. What would be the reason that a person is going to say, I'm going to go only according to din, the strict letter of the law, this is what my rights are, and I'm going to exercise every single one of them, to the exclusion of going lifnim mishuras din, that stems from a perspective where I see myself as separate and apart from you. If I see myself as separate and apart from you, there's my interests in your interests. You are trying to encroach. You are trying to cross over into my interests. And I don't want to let you do that. I'm going to defend. I'm going to defend my rights financially because those are my rights and those are your rights. And you are trying to take away my rights. I'm not going to go ahead and let you take away my rights. They're mine and they're not yours. So when a person takes that attitude of, I'm going to go only according to Din Torah, and I refuse to go, that's a recognition at the source. If you distill it down to the, the attitude to its source, what that means is, is I see myself as separate and apart from you. There's mine and there's yours. And since you're trying to take mine, I'm going to refuse and I'm going to exercise my rights. That attitude doesn't see us as unified together. That attitude doesn't see us as connected with one another, as somehow part of different limbs of the same body. And when Klai Yisrael adopts this perspective that there's me and there's you, and we are separate, we're, they're separate, uh, uh, separate entities, separate limbs, there's the hand and the foot, and the hand is going to go ahead and fight against the foot because they have different interests and they're both tr- trying to get the same nutrients and the same blood flow and the same as everything else. An autoimmune disease, which is very dangerous because the body ends up fighting itself. So that is what happens when Klai Yisrael adopts the attitude that they refuse to go and they insist on going only according to uh, Tudin. And that happens when we can't make space for one another, we can't be understanding of one another, we can't go ahead and accommodate other people's opinions and other people's attitudes and even other people's behavior sometimes when we refuse to go ahead and accommodate and to understand and to be able to appreciate that there's different people and there's different limbs and they have different functions, but they could all be part of the same overall body. When we lose sight of that, Takarish Baruch Hu says, this is essentially the same as Sinas Chinam that they're the same thing, not to, so much like Toso says, that they're zev gorem, but the fact that zev ultimately stem from the same thing. Sinas means there's me and there's you, and I hate you and I despise you. And obviously you're separate from me if I could hate you. And the refusal to go then means there's my rights and there's your rights. And chaser shalom, should I go ahead and have to compromise my rights to accommodate for you? You should be giving me what's due to me. But that attitude where a person says, I have my rights, I'm going to insist on my rights, and I refuse to accommodate what you want to do, I refuse to compromise with you, because I'm, I'm concerned with my interests, to exclusion of your interests, 
as soon as we see ourselves as separate from one another, there's a breakdown in the achdus, there's a breakdown in the unity of Klai Yisrael. And once there's a breakdown of the unity of Klai Yisrael, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, my Shekhinah can only reside in a place of Shalom. My Shekhinah can only reside in a place where Ish v'isha, that they're zachu, that they merit to have shalom be- between them. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says on a Kalaistic level, he can only be in Yushalayim. He can only connect with Kal Yisrael when there is a unified Kal Yisrael. When Kal Yisrael says, we're not unified, I have my rights and I'm going to exercise my rights and I'm going to enforce my rights and I'm not going to make any space for you whatsoever. I'm not going to demonstrate any interest whatsoever in your rights or your interests. And I refuse to compromise then you don't have a body. Then you don't have a living being, which is Klal Yisrael. And once Klal Yisrael loses their status as that Ishechad Kalevechad, and we're a bunch of individual limbs which are running around, each one exercising their own, their, their own pursuits and their own interests and their own rights, Akash Baruch Hu says, I don't want anything to do with this. This is not for me. And I'm going to take the Ruchnius back up to Shemaim. And I'm going to leave you there as a separate body to go ahead and figure out how to reconnect with one another, how to recreate that unity, whereby everybody's willing to go, you're willing to give and you're willing to compromise and you're willing to forego your rights because there's a bigger picture, which is more important. There's a bigger body, which is much more important than I as an individual cell or I as an individual limb within that body. And if the body is going to be healthy, all the different parts and all the different systems and all of the different organs, ultimately they need to get along with one another. Because when that autoimmune disease exists, where the body is fighting within itself, so that becomes very uncomfortable, very painful, and very difficult, and that represents an illness of the body itself. And that's what happened in the time of Chorba Beis Amikdash. That's what the Gemara in Bab Metziah is teaching us when Rabbi Yochanan says that the reason why Yushalayim was destroyed is because they insisted on going according to Din, and they wouldn't go Lifni Meshur Sadin. And that represents at its core the inability of people to get along with one another, that represents a breakdown of the Achtos. And once there's a breakdown of the Achtos and we don't have the status of Klal Yisrael, HaKash Baruch Hu says, I'm going back up to Shemaim. I will bring my Shechina here into this physical world when you are unified as a people. But when you splinter apart and when you are unwilling to compromise and unwilling to go with one another, I'm going back up to Shemaim. Give me a call when you figured it out, when you've realized how essential it is for the function of Kla Yisrael, for the function of the universe, for the purpose of the universe and the destiny of the universe, for that Achdus to be reestablished. And only once you go ahead and you reestablish, if you could do your part of reestablishing that Achdus, repairing the Sinas Chinam, like the Gemara in, in Yuma talks about. And when we could go, instead of insisting on our rights, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, then we can have a third base amitish, then we could join together and bring things back. We don't have to be misabel on the separation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu from Klai Yisrael, on the loss of the Shekhinah leaving behind a shell of a body which just barely holds on to life, which barely has a chiyus to it. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, when you go ahead and you could unify once again, you can make all of the necessary repairs, then we'll have a third base amitish. I will come back into this world. All of the ideal purpose of the world will come back together with the Ruchni and the Gashmi, the physical and the spiritual, fusing together and unifying together once again. In the Mitz Hashem, we should be able to appreciate that. And we should realize that we can't expect other people 
to go ahead and generate the achdus. This is something which each one of us has to do on our own. We have to make the effort on our own to be compromising then, to go and to be understanding, accommodating, and make space for other people, even if they're different from ourselves and they may have slightly different views from ourselves and they may see Torah mitzvahs from a different angle than we do. But ultimately, with Shivan Panim the Torah, we can, make, we can accommodate the different people who are loyal to Torah, even with the different nuanced ways that they go ahead and do so. And when we figure out how to unify, how to once again restore Ki'isha we should be Zoha, that we will no longer have to be Misabel, Aveli Tzion, Aveli Yushalayim, and we should all be able to go back to Yushalayim, Habnuyat, Mirza Hashem, Bekarubi Amenu.